I'm going to share uh, this morning uh, about a, a truth that, that I'm continually growing in, and I believe that we all are growing in. And thank, thank God that it is foundational. And that just simply means something that has been settled and established with God, but that we're going to continually grow and experience for all eternity. And that has to do with our justification and what that means. And, and, we, and, and uh, I believe that God really wants us to go, go into that. Of course, the only way that it can be done properly, and that's through God, the Holy Spirit. He's going to take the things of Christ, the cr things that Christ and his person and in the accomplishment of his work has finished, is going to reveal to us like only he can. And so... I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then we can see what God has for us. This is Romans, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to read from Romans, the fourth chapter. And the truth is, what, what, what we could do, um, what would be a good idea is that when we're on our own, when you're by yourself, uh, that w what else would help you is, is if you... In your own personal uh, reading time, your own time of uh, fellowship uh, with Christ, you could read the first three, three, even the first four chapters of Romans. We're going to get to just one verse. We are going to get to just one verse and a couple of verses in, in, in Romans chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, and then we're going to go into a couple of verses in Romans the fifth chapter. But I think we would all, I know we would benefit all by it if we, if at some point we took the time in our own privacy uh, with, with God to read those first four chapters. But anyway, we're going to read Ephesians 4, verse 21, and it says this, and being fully persuaded. And I think, I, I believe that's what God wants us uh, to to have this morning. He wants to fully persuade us of the facts of our justification. And so again, and being fully persuaded, this is speaking of Abraham, that what he had promised, and notice that, what God promises, he has and is the only one that has the ability to perform it. So in other words, God is performing something continually in our growth what he promised and already finished in Christ. This has to do with our justification. And again, the moment that you and I received Christ as our Savior, many, many, many things happened. Many things happened. We were, the moment we received, received Christ, we were instantly justified. We were instantly cleared of all guilt and condemnation in the courtroom of God's integrity, justice, and his holiness and his righteousness. So being fully persuade, persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed. It was logizomai. It was put to his account. It was put to his account and to the account of every single believer, to him, to that individual for righteousness. For righteousness, for a right standing in the presence of God in Christ and because of Christ. 
Now, verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone. Notice that? That it was imputed, that it was put to his account, but for us also, and that's for us this morning, for us also to whom it will be imputed, and it has been, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. And that simply means that it's not an if in our case anymore, because if you did receive Christ as your Savior, you had the perfect righteousness based upon justice being fulfilled by Christ on the cross that's been imputed, put to our account, his perfect righteousness. That's what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, for of him, of God are we in Christ Jesus. That's verse 30, by the way, 1 Corinthians 1 30, who is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Of course, and then it says in 31, that he that glories, let him glory in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. So, but for us also, in Romans 4, verse 24, to whom it will be and has been, because we have received Christ. Verse 25, who was delivered? He was delivered on the cross for our offenses and was raised again. Listen, here it is, for our justification. Now, this goes into a beautiful truth in the Word of God because this goes into this, the resurrection of Christ. And this resurrection of Christ, what it does is identifies God, God our Father, with this suffering Savior. And what does it do? It bears witness, it bears testimony to the salvation that Christ has accomplished as complete and absolutely accepted. That's why it says in Ephesians 1, verse 6, that we are accepted in the Beloved. Our acceptance has to do with who Christ is in his person and what he has accomplished alone, by faith dependence alone, by grace alone, and not another thing added to it. It's, com it's a complete an acceptance. A complete and a complete acceptance. Now, where those blessed feet have found the rock, that rock, that foundation that Christ is for us as his church. In Matthew 16, verse 18, the feet of every one of us, every poor sinner may find it now. That absolute surety, that absolute surety that we have because his resurrection, Christ being raised from the dead is the fact of the clearing from, from all guilt and condemnation to every single one of those, us, because he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, and that's in 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He finished the work in John 19, verse 30. That was his meat, his very sustenance. He came in John 4, verse 34, to fulfill the will of the Father and to finish the work. And that he has done to the Father for us because the Father's been propitiated. And thank God for that. We, because we have a substitute, we have been reconciled, made right 
made righteous to God in a very, very complete and satisfactory way. He has borne all our sins away, every single one of them, and Christ himself, he is in heaven, and there's not one single shadow on his face. There's not a shadow, and there shouldn't be a shadow of a doubt on us as we look into his face, and we, as we look into his face, we see all the shadows have passed from his blessed face and the glory of God. Nothing but the glory of God is shining there instead. That's our place. What a gospel. What a gospel is the glory of Christ for one who actually apprehends, for that individual that's Christ that actually experiences its meaning. Well, and we see the beautiful meaning. It's brought out again in 2 Corinthians 4. We see in verse 3 it says, For if our gospel be hid, and oh how the enemy, he may not be able to hide the fact of a believer being saved. He'll do his best to keep them just satisfied with that and go right back into the world and live just like the world and just have a hope that someday soon, hopefully, you're going to go to heaven. But if our gospel be hid, and how, many how much is it hid to those that are truly born again? It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, and we've said before, that's the religious God of this world, a system that makes you do something, that makes you less than who you are in Christ, that makes you do something. You ever hear teaching anywhere, I don't care where it is, that teaches you, you must do something because he already did it makes no sense whatsoever. He did it all. He did every single thing. He did everything because it was only possible for him to do so. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom that religious God of the world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. They don't believe it because they don't know it. They don't know it. They've never been taught. And they've never been taught that those that teach because they themselves don't know it. They themselves, and not that we're any better than those that aren't taught, because we're not, but we certainly are better off in him. So again, let's just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, and we'll get back. Uh, to Romans, the fifth, fourth and fifth chapter. But this is what it says. Therefore seeing. And when it says, therefore seeing, when it says that, read. The therefore goes back to the whole third chapter. Therefore, because of what you know and what you've been taught about what is yours and I, your identity in Christ with nothing with a, and you approach him with an unveiled face. There's no shadow. There's nothing over you when you approach him because there's nothing on him. We said, by the grace of God, all the shadows have passed. There's no shadow. That goes into James uh, 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow. Did you hear that? Neither shadow of turning. And that is Christ who came down as that light. 
in 1 John 1, 5, and in him there is no darkness at all. And there shouldn't be in any of us. And there certainly isn't in our position, certainly, hopefully, by our growth in grace and humility and dependence, there won't be in our experience. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have it. We're not trying to gain it. Don't ever listen to any teaching that teaches you that you must do something for Christ. You must try to live the Christian life because Christ, after all, did all this. We've said it before, and we need to know it again and again and again until we see him face to face. The Christian life, trying to live the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible because Christ is our life in Colossians 3, verse 4. He is our life, and until we received him, we were dead. Okay. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have, and we have received mercy, we don't turn coward. We don't faint and fall back on nothing. We don't fall back on false teaching. Thank God we have teaching, and we don't fall back on nothing. Because that's what it means to faint in Luke 18, 1. Men should always pray and not faint. And kakio, not turn, not faint, not give in to the, uh, give in to evil, to evil thoughts. Not to faint, not to turn coward and to lose our grip. Thank God he never loses his grip on us. But, look. As we have, notice what it says, seeing first, we do have this ministry, seeing as we have received. See, we need to see to be taught, and then we need to receive it because no one else can do it for us. We can be taught, but that's an individual acceptance with each believer. As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Notice that? Nothing hid. There's no, there's no hidden things of dishonesty. We're not walking in craftiness. We're not walking in the wiles of the enemy, his method of tripping us up and those lies. And we see that again, his methodia and his wiles in Ephesians 6.11. Not walking in craftiness. Listen, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And deceitfully would be to think that we could add anything to what Christ has already accomplished and what he accomplished only he could do so. That would be deceptive. That would be worldly. And the enemy, who's the God, the religious God of the whole world system, deceives those that are in the world in Revelations 12, 9. But thank God, we may be in this world, and we are, but we're not of it. He wasn't. Christ our Savior wasn't in John 17, verse 14. And neither are we as his in John 17 and verse 16. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience, because mine is clear, yours is clear, in Christ, in the sight of God. Did you hear that? We have a cleansed conscience in, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 2. We're not bringing sacrifices every day, trying to make ourselves and tr trying to obey under a legalistic system. 
law works, which just is the flesh trying to add something that is not only not necessary, but evil to what Christ has finished. No, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom this God, and here, in this context, it's a religious God. It's a God of a system. It's a God of you do and God will do. If you don't, God won't. The lie, the father of all lies, in John 8, verse 44, in whom the religious God of this world has blinded the minds, really hardened the minds of them, which believe not, meaning they've never known, they've never been taught, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, and we want to make this clear, in this translation of the King James, it says here, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. The reality is, the original says it like this, because when they translate this here, in this particular portion, when they translate it here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, when it says that, whom God commanded the light, to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Really, when it says that here, okay, what it says there, and that's a Hebrewism, it's still some form of something entering in that's not correct. Because the correct reading of that is, it's not a glorious gospel. Instead, it's the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. That's the proper understanding, the proper Koine Greek, the way it brings it out in the original. So, <laughs> again, why? Should shine unto them, in whom the God of this world has hardened the minds, blinded them, which believe not, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we Preach not ourselves. Did you hear that? We don't preach ourselves. We don't preach fleshly works. We don't add ourselves in some form of flesh or some form of irritation, really, uh, to the things that are Christ and His alone that He's made ours. Long time ago, God has told me, and He still needs to tell us all do not mix yourself with Christ in any measure. Don't do it. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And here we go. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Okay? You want to be a leader? You want to be a pastor teacher? Good. You're a servant. You will lay your life down like Jesus did in John 15, 13 and 1 John 3, verse 16. You'll lay your life down so that others that are his may walk over you into Christ. Because if, if they're walking over you, they're walking over what Christ has accomplished in you. And in that sense, you walk right into Christ. It's got nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. We said it, I said it like this before. I had a paper route and all I was was a paper boy. I just delivered the news. I didn't write it. All I did was deliver it. So, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. 
For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, way back in Genesis, the first chapter, has shined in our hearts. Listen, to give. Graciously. To give. Without works. Because Christ has accomplished all the light of the knowledge and of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you see those ofs there? Did you see that? Those little words are so important when we read the scriptures. Of, which means constituted of the exact same substance. In, we're either in Christ as believers or functioning in the flesh, which we're not of in Romans 8, 9. But of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excelling power, the excellency of the power may be, here's that word, of God and not of us. It's in us. The treasure's in us, but it's not of us. No, we're not given through preaching and teaching something God, something that God gave special people to give to others. We're all special in Christ in his sight. So now we go back to, we go back to here in, in, in Romans 4, verse 25. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. We've said in the past that in Acts 17, uh, verse 30, there was a time when God winked at sin, when he blinked away from it. He did. In Job 14, 17, Job said, he's tied up my iniquity in a bag until Christ would come and that whole bag of his personal iniquity and ours would be put on him and have it dealt with. Their faith looked forward to the cross. Our faith looks back as a complete, finished work. And so, again, who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justifications. Two reasons, there's two reasons and two things that the, the resurrection of Christ teach, that there's going to be absolutely no judgment for us in Christ. That's Acts 17, verse 31. There is no judgment for us in Christ, not a bit. But proof that all those that haven't received Christ, there will be a judgment. And that's coming, that's known as the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, 10 to 15, to all those who haven't received Christ and had their sins dealt with. Now, again, we're going to read here, and I suggest, uh, by the grace of God, and, and I'll do the same with you, that, it, that you read uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, because we're going to get into just verses 16 uh, to 21. Again, we're going to talk about justification. We're going to mention some Greek words. We're going to mention them because they're so necessary. And even in the places where they are in certain translations, if we don't understand even those particular words and what the, the shade of their meaning, we won't have a full understanding. Now, in Romans chapter 5, in verse 16, it says, And not as it was, by one that sinned. This is talking about and what is known as the federal headship of all those that are, were in Adam. Now, Adam, we know in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6, he fell. And in falling, he, had, he inherited a sin nature. All of us did. 
That's why at David, through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through David said, we were conceived in iniquity and sin. We were brought forth in in Psalm 51 verse 5. Sin speaks of a nature. Not what we do, but a nature. And we need to know the difference between sin and sins to correctly uh, understand the light of the Word of God in its various uh, places where it teaches those things. So the sin nature was passed on. Here, even in Romans 5.12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. The world there simply means that mass of humanity. Sin entered into, the sin nature entered into each and every one that were born that way. That's why in Psalm 58, verse 3, it says the babies, little infants, as soon as they're born, they, they come out from the womb speaking lies because they have a sin nature. And what do you do when you have a sin nature and you function in it? You sin, you enter into sins. Very, very clear uh, difference. And so again, we see here, not as, and that sin nature was passed on in Romans 5 verse 12. It was passed on through the 23 reproductive chromosome genes of the male sperm. That nature was passed on. Okay, it's very clear in the scriptures. And not, in verse 16 of Romans 5, not as it was by one that sinned, so was the gift. Okay? For the judgment was by one to condemnation. And I want to make this clear also, that if any, any other human being was ever in the place of Adam, they would have sinned just like him. Okay? His sin, his particular sins weren't transferred to us. The nature was, certainly was. That has to do with the absolute incredible genius of God. How when the enemy thought he had one over on God, God allowed all all to be born dead, okay? Because they would have been anyways, but to give them the opportunity to receive Christ as their life and to be more than conquerors in Romans 8 verse 37 through him that conquered death and, and did everything in their place. And you see that in Romans 8 verse 37 and you see that truth in Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 9 to 18. For not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift by one. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. All that had that sin nature were born with a sin nature that was condemned by God before they did anything. They were condemned. And we were condemned. We were under God's condemnation with wrath impending. Thank God we don't have any. In John 3, verse 36, there is no wrath. In 1 John 1, 10, and in 1 John 5, 9, there's no wrath to us because Christ bore it on the cross. There's no need, like the false teaching, that the church must go through a partial rapture. And some even further must go through must, not a rapture, a tribulation, go through a partial tribulation. And some believe that they have to go through the complete tribulation, which is an absolute lie compared when we compare the truth and the light of the scriptures. I know a man and he believes so. To his own heart. Seriously, to his own hurt. 
So, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Now, here's that word, justification. All right? Now, that word, justification, is, is dekaome. Okay? And that's spelled D-I-K-A-I-O-M-A. Okay? Dekaome. And it's from the Greek word dikeuo. Dikeuo. That's spelled D-I-K-A-I-O. The first O is short. Okay? And the next O is long. Dikeoe. Okay? And this is what it means. This is what that word, dikeome, from dikeoi means. It means an equitable deed. You know what equity is, right? There's value, and a deed is proof of it. We have, we have the value of Christ as our deed, the proof that we're justified. By what? And by implication, it's a, it's a statute, or it's an absolute decision, it's a decision based upon the complete satisfaction of God the Father's justice being completed by Christ so that his love now is free to flow to all those that are in Christ. What a tremendous gospel, as we said in 2 Corinthians 1, 4-7, that we have. Now, then we read this. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, Adam, death was passed on, well, all were dead spiritually. That goes into 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, clearly an understanding. We don't have time to go into the precise, those precise, uh, precise verses, but you can, you can write them down and you can see the flow of the teaching that God will give you. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, in verse 18, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto what? Justification. Now, there's a different shade of the meaning of justification in this verse. And here it is dekeosis. Dekeosis, that's D-I-K-A-I-O-S-I-S. Again, this word, dekeosis, is from that same Greek word, dekeuo. And what does it mean? It means it means to render, to show or regard to be righteous and to be free because we're thus acquitted for Christ's sake, his sake alone. It had nothing to do with us. That's grace. Grace is always in the passive voice. We absolutely do nothing. We just simply receive and we can only still receive because even when Adam fell and he never took away the gift of, of free will because it would be a free will choice. That does away with a false Calvinistic teaching that God would will some to go to 
hell and some to go to heaven, even apart from their own will. That slashes that and mutilates that into pieces. Don't take a single piece of it. Okay? For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one will many be made righteous. Right? That's why it says, in, in the midst of our warfare as believers, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not. It's got nothing to do with us. But mighty through God, dunamis, explosive, powerful from God, right? Then, with that power, we're able to, in 10.5, cast down all imaginations, all these lies and false reasonings, casting down imaginations and every high thing from the atmosphere, every single high thing. Listen, the lie, the height of the lie that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Truthfully, who we are in Christ, who he is in his person and what he's accomplished in us. Right? And having in a readiness, it says, to revenge all our disobedience because Christ did fulfill all our obedience. This is very necessary when you get into spiritual warfare because he accuses in Revelations 12, 10, he's an accuser of the brethren. Listen, if he can't deceive you, and I, and keep us from truth, or even keep us from experiencing it continually. If he can't deceive us like he deceives the whole world through his religious nonsense, because Satan is an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, and he has his ministers, and that's why Jesus said again, and we've shared this before, if your eye be single in Christ, him, him alone, your whole body will be filled with light in 622 of Matthew. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And in verse 23, if the darkness, if the light that be in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Well, that darkness is the lie of Satan, who appears as an angel of light, and he has his ministers. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15, doing his will, keeping others deceived. And then if he can't keep believers, or even the unsaved deceived, then what will he do? For believers in Christ, he will accuse you constantly. Revelations 12, 10, he is an accuser of the brethren. The reason is, is because you have Christ in you. You and I wouldn't even have an accusation. We would be too busy being deceived. We wouldn't have an accusation if Christ wasn't in us. But you know what? Functioning in him through humility, through obedience, through faith dependence, and having him as our experience. And no wonder it says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud who live in the false teaching, who live in the flesh, who try to add to what Christ has accomplished. God resists the proud, but he gives greater grace to those that he's humbled, right? Therefore, submit yourself to God in 4.7, and the devil will flee from you. Then you can draw near to Christ, and he'll draw near to you. Then you can clean your hands as sinners, functioning in sin, and purify our hearts from being double-minded. This is true. No, it's not true. Back and forth. Well, as we uh, close this out, listen to what it says. For as by one man's disobedience in 519 of Romans, many were, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. 
Moreover, the law entered. Why? That the offense might abound. You know, remember way back in Exodus 19 and verse 8, in Exodus 24 and verse 3, the Jews said to God, tell us what to do and we'll do it. Well, he gave those 10 commandments, and the Hebrews call it the 10 words in, in uh, Exodus 23 to 17, but we know why God, through raising up the height of the religious guy, Paul, who was Saul and made him in, in the height of who he was in Christ, and us too with him, and used him to teach about the law. And what was he teaching? What was he teaching about the law? Right? What did he teach about the law? And the reason that God gave the law. See, they thought, and some still think today, that God gave the law for us so that we could eke out our own righteousness for him. And we would get some of the glory. Fact of the matter is, here's the reason why. In Romans 7, verse 12, Wherefore the law is holy. And by the way, those are those ten commandments with over 613 statutes and ordinances in it. And if you offend in one point in James 2.10, you broke the whole thing. You're guilty of the whole thing. So try and live under it, just like the Jews did. And they missed Christ and rejected him as a result of it. In John 1.11, he came unto his own. His own rejected him. Now here it is. For the, wherefore, in Romans 7.12, the law is holy and the commandment holy. And just, notice that, has to do with justice. It's just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, God forbid. But sin, not sins, sin, the very nature that it might appear what it really is. A sin nature that can't, there's no good in it. John 6, 63, Romans 7, 18. I know in me, even as a believer, in the flesh dwells no good thing. All my good is located in Christ. All that good that he is in Exodus 34 and verse 6. That goodness that's only in him. Again, in John 6, 63. That goodness that's only in God. That's why he said to the rich young ruler in Matthew 18, 19 and Luke 19, verse 17. Call no man good. There's only one good. That's God the Father. That guy was thinking that he could add something to Christ. And in doing so, when he viewed Christ, he viewed him on a plane with himself. God forbid that we should ever do that. Dear Lord, or I should ever do it, I should say. Well, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. That sin, the nature, by the commandment might become what? exceedingly sinful. Notice that? That's why the law was given. Thank God we're not under the law. Read the sixth chapter of Romans. We're not under the law. We're not under it. Read the eighth chapter, 8.14. Read the sixth chapter. Read these and, and we'll have understanding. But as we close this out this morning, as we close this out, here it is. God wants to make this crystal clear to us. That because we are justified, judgment for you and I is rolled away completely and forever. And 
Our standing, our very place in Christ is in present grace and nothing else. We're saved by grace through faith, and even that, not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of, wor of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which he hath before ordained in Christ, that we should walk, and when we walk in him, we walk in the good, and those good steps, in the good work that he's finished. You see that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Judgment is rolled away forever, and our standing, our place is in present grace, and glory is our confident expectation. Notice that? Do we have confident expectation? Well, Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope, the guarantee of glory. We're on our way to a glorious future that is beyond anything that any human being could ever put in any language to bring it across to our complete understanding. We have a confident expectation, and we are enabled to glory because of that, even in tribulation. That's Romans 5, 3 to 5. Even in tribulation also, what? Conscious that it, with all else that could happen to us, is working under God's hand and is necessary blessing for us. <laughs> oh, boy. God for us, Romans 8, 31. Does it matter who's against us? No, it's only working for us a great, great, abundant blessing. That's how we should view everything that happens to us. With a confident, glorious expectation. I expect, because of what Christ has accomplished, for God to bless me, and he has and he will. Because the thief in John 10.10 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ said, I have come that they might have life. What kind of life? What kind of life are we satisfied with? An abundant life. He has abundance for us, not just now, but throughout all eternity. So as the justification of life, which we have in verse 16, it is that justification we have as being alive in Christ, living in him with his life, his power, his glory. That is, it goes beyond forgiveness. Did you hear that? Listen, justification it even goes beyond. It includes forgiveness and removal of guilt and condemnation in Romans 8, verse 1, but it goes beyond forgiveness of sins that we had in the old man, which are, listen to this, which are put away. We're confessing in 1 John 1, 9, when we sin, that that has been put away. It's interrupted my fellowship, can't touch my relationship with Christ, but it can touch my fellowship. And God has even made a way for us through confessing it to get right back into a proper identity and image and reflection of who we are in Christ. We can function in reality. They're put away. It is the clearance, justification, is the clearance of all imputation which we have. In other words, all those sins and everything that was put to our account when we received Christ, was put to his account, and all of our sins were put to his account when we received him, and then all his perfect righteousness was put to our account. And God declares us 
perfectly, completely to his utter satisfaction that we're complete in him with not a thing to add, just to constantly receive. And we have that because we are alive in Christ. So by the time we get to Romans 5.18, it gives us something even more specific. What does it do? It refers to verses 16 and 17. Because verse 16 is what? Of many offenses unto justification, which of itself goes further than clearing the conscience of sins. We have, our conscience in Christ has been cleared, not going to be, has been cleared of all sins. Not going to be, but has been. That's our position. What's our experience? What is our experience? That's the thing that the enemy goes after through false teaching, through no teaching, through lies, through accusations, through deceptions of all kinds. And we see that. So again, that justification is itself goes further than the clearing, clearing the conscious of sins. Verse 17 further goes even further and adds that they who have received this abundance of grace, the very life of Christ, who he is, and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Do you hear that? It's beyond and do we actually reign in life? Uh, we dis, uh, sins are forgiven and that's it. And we must struggle. No. We reign in life in Christ. Did you see it? We reign. We reign. Superior to everything because he's superior to it in us. And, and, and through it all. By one offense towards all men to condemnation. That's him. That was us. By one man, that sin nature was passed on. All were under condemnation. But by one, Christ Jesus, we have complete righteousness. Again, that is that word, dekeome. And it's towards all men to justification. To all those that receive him, we've been cleared of all guilt, all condemnation, sins dealt with, conscience pure, reigning. Reigning supreme in life. Not waiting for it in heaven. Of course, we'll have much greater degree and understanding of it there. But right now, this is our position. And it should be our experience. And by the grace of God, I hope so. For myself and for all of us. But then... We have verse 18. But then in life, what does that mean? But then in life, what? We have new life in Christ. New life in Christ. Not only the old sins cleared away negatively, but in the new place. Listen, we've talked about that word place. I still want to get a booklet out about place, identity. A, we, but we are in the new place by a work, notice what it says, it is the work of Christ. It is his work, his work alone, which God has approved, not going to, but has approved, has fully owned and fully satisfied in. He had finished the work which his father had given him alone to do and was in virtue of it himself in a new place as a man in life. That's the man Christ Jesus. Listen, 
He, was, he is always the Son of God in virtue of his deity. He became the Son of Man in virtue of the fact of he became the new man in a new race of believers and brought us into the place where he is, a perfect satisfaction and glory to God. This is the finished work. We don't have anything else to finish. We just need to receive it. So life, his life in us and justification go together. They go together. There's no separation in them. None. There's nothing left to do but just to receive. And we need to see, when we talk about being in Christ, we need to see in Christ further in the book of Ephesians. That is where after a believer, newborn again believer, has, has gotten through the gospel of John and the epistle to the Romans, immediately need to be taught the foundational truths in Ephesians. Immediately. Immediately. Without further delay. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, by God's grace, right? Listen, we, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ, Romans 8, 1. In any other translation where you see, not, for them that walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, cross it out. In every Greek manuscript, in, in the Koine Greek, New Testament Greek, it's not there. Cross it out. So there's no condemnation for us in Christ because we have been justified. But with Romans 5, 16 to 18, we have identity. And our identity has to do with our justification. And our justification has to do with that we have a new life in him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So again, with this last piece in closing, both dikeome and dikeosis are from that same Greek word, dikeuo. And dikeuo is from the, from the Greek word dike, D-I-K-E. And that means right. Did you hear that? We have been made right through Christ. We have a righteous standing. And what? And this is, and it's self-evident even in itself because of what Christ has accomplished. It's to be self-evident. And you know what it has to do with? It has to do with the justice of God fully met, God is fully satisfied and glorified through the justice that Christ has accomplished on the cross to him and for us. And it literally means it's the principle, it is a decision, and it's execution. Amen? Amen.